Well, last Sunday, you know, Pastor Matt was telling a little story about how we used to run 5Ks. Uh, yeah, you're already chuckling. You knew this was coming, right? I mean, you knew this was coming, right? So we ran like maybe five or six of them. I just like completely destroyed them every, every year. And the last year we had it, really wasn't the last year we had it, it was just the last year that he ran because he beat me on a technicality, so then he, so then he quit. But I will admit, he did beat me on a technicality. You know how those races work? You're at the starting line, and then you actually, your time does start, doesn't start until once you uh, cross the line. But he's the one that told the story. He said that he was out in front the entire time, and I was just kind of trailing him for 3.0 miles, and 0.1 mile, I overtook him. So basically, I was toying with him the, the entire time. But technically, he did win because I started like two seconds earlier and before but case to be said, he, the only two people that really needed to know who won were me and him, and he both, he, we both know who actually won that race fair and square. And if he has any questions whatsoever, like I told the first service, I will race Pastor Matt anytime, any place, anywhere. It could be 120 degrees out there. There could be 120 feet of snow. We could be the North Pole, the South Pole, Waterloo, Jerseyville. I don't care. I'll be there and I will win. <laughs> what he didn't tell you, what he didn't tell you was that one of those years, Pastor Katie actually beat him while, yeah, yeah, while she was pregnant and pushing a stroller. The last part may or may not be true, but she actually did beat him, but she forgot that. So, now to the important stuff. Man, can you believe this is the last week of the year? It's amazing, isn't it? This is the last Sunday of the year. And in case you were wondering, because you came to church on the last Sunday of the year, you do not get bonus points or extra credit points when you go to heaven. They're all the same to God. So if you think you're doing your due diligence and trying to get ahead of the game, it's all the same to God. But I appreciate that you're here this morning. You know, one of the most common things that we hear nowadays, right, is, man, I'm so glad that 2020 is coming to an end. We've all probably said it, right? But I would like to submit to you this morning that we have three or four days left in 2020, and don't waste those days. Don't actually waste, don't waste the entire year. I would encourage you over these next three or four days to think back in what happened and what transpired over 2020, and try to look at it through the lens of what was God trying to speak to me during 2020? We had lots of things in this past year that distracted us, right? That we're all, they are distractible things, right? It's the COVID virus, we have to wear masks, we can't go out to eat, we can't be with loved ones. There was a political election, all kinds of things that distract us from what God is trying to do. And what I would want to just talk about this morning is don't waste what God was trying to do in 2020. Because I know if you look back, you will find some things that God really was trying to speak to you in 2020. Because we're going to get to January 1st in a couple days, and it's going to be a new year. It's going to be a fresh start. We're going to reset some things. And then at that point, 2020 is kind of done and over with. And it's not real important what happened in 2020 right now, but what is important is what does 2021 hold for you? What does your future 
hold for you? And that's some of the things I want to talk about this morning. What does your future hold for you? What does God say about your future? What does tomorrow hold for you? And in many ways, today, today's the first day of the rest of your life. Or if you want to take a little pause for three or four days where you're not ready for that, maybe that's too much for you to think about right now, so you can maybe take three or four days, but on January 1st is the, rest, is the first day of the rest of your life. And it's a great time to think about all of this, right? Because throughout the years, we always come to this time of year and we think, okay, in January 1st, I'm going to have a New Year's resolution and I'm going to start to do things differently. And it lasts about two or three days and it's gone. Or if you're like me, I've been around long enough that, and I know myself well enough that I, I maybe think I want to do your New Year's resolution, but then I just forget about it because I'm never going to be able to hold things up, right? I mean, don't, I'm not the only one. I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, man, my, my New Year's resolution was done on January 2nd before even, and I didn't even start on January 1st. But I do know. I do know this about your future. I have no idea what's going on in your life. I have no idea what your circumstance is. I have no idea what you're dealing with or what maybe you have to face in the upcoming year or maybe what you had to deal with in 2020. But I do know, not because I just, I'm this super smart guy, but I do know what these biblical promises have in store for us. And I know that when we seek God, when we live our lives like this book tells us to, when we live our lives like Jesus speaks into us, I do know that no matter who you are or where you're at, the best is yet to come for your life. Amen? That's the God that we serve. We sing songs like, Good, Good Father. Man, what an incredible song based on biblical promises, based on biblical truth. That, that our God is incapable of doing anything other than good and great. And he's doing that in the world, he's doing that in our church, and most importantly to you, he's doing that in your individual life if you will let him and if you will show up and, and let him work on you and let him be a part of your life. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. When we put God first, when we put God high up on his throne, where we put God in our life, where he deserves to be placed, things just have a way of working out. Like I said, in many days, today, today is the first day of the rest of your life. 2020 is going to be over. And maybe you say, well, I've had things that I'm dealing with since 2015 or 2010 or whatever. Those things are over. We need to step in all that God has called us to be. God is not concerned about your past. God is concerned about your future. You should not be concerned about your past. You should be concerned about your future. Many times in our life, we're held back and we're stuck because we are so concerned about protecting our past for some reason that we can't spring forward into our future. And God wants us to live a life that is in him and of him so he can work through us today tomorrow, and for years to come. Jeremiah 29, talking about what our future looks like. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of the most famous verses of all the Bible. But I, I want to read it out of our Bible because I think sometimes some of these, especially these famous, maybe the most famous verses or maybe our favorite verses, we get in such a routine that we just read the verse. 
And we forget, wait a minute, what, 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 does it actually, what does it actually say? You know, I coach basketball during the winter, and in basketball team, you're coaching the kids, and, and you're telling them, you're diagramming a play, and you're teaching them how to run the play, right? It's, it's a plan, run the play. And many times, you stop and you think about it, guys, wait a minute, we're just running the play. That's not, the point is not to run the play. The point is to score the basketball. That's the point. So I say this is sometimes we have these scriptures that, oh, sure, I know what Jeremiah 29, 11 is. I know what Matthew 6, 33 means. I know what John 10, 10 says, whatever. But then sometimes we fail to really understand the impact and really understand that, man, we can't just read these scriptures. We have to believe them. We have to take them to heart. We have to live them out. So here's what Jeremiah 29, 11 says about your future. God says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then it goes on, verse 12. It says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I read verse 12. Because a lot of times after an impactful, profound scripture like 29.11, we stop and we don't go on. And we read about God's plan for our future and how good it is. And we think, that's it. I've done it. Well, sometimes we have to read on. Sometimes in life we have to go on. Because 29.12 says that now there's a part for me to play in that. I have to go to him. I have to seek him. I have to ask him for things. I have, to, I have to go to him and find out what he wants for my life and what he's telling me. The most powerful times in life are not necessarily just when God is speaking to you, but when God is speaking to you and then you on your side of it, you're listening and understanding and being obedient and acting out what he's telling us to do. That's where, that's where the really profound stuff happens. Here's what I think about 2020. I believe that 2020 will define the rest of your life. And here's what I mean by that. I believe that there are things in 2020 that God is speaking to you, God is telling you to do, he's putting it on your mind, he's putting it in your heart, he's putting it in your spirit. That's why I encourage you in these next few days before this uncertain, tumultuous, crazy year is over to reflect back on really what happened in your own personal life. Some good, some bad. Because I believe the things that God was trying to tell us in 2020 is a springboard into your future. Because let's face it, most of us had a lot of extra time on our hands in 2020. Did we not? And my guess is during that time, you, 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 were, you had some more alone time, and you were thinking about these things. And maybe as you're sitting out here right now, you're like, no, I wasn't really. But I bet you, if you sit back and reflect and meditate and contemplate on some of these things, God was probably trying to speak to you. Maybe at the time, you just didn't understand what was going on. Because time slowed down, and you had to. Don't use 2020 as like a no-take. You just, you just, like you want a do-over. Like, 2021 is not a do-over. There are things in ha that happened in 2020 that, have, that you are going to need that experience for what God has called you to do 
in the future. I believe 2020 will be a year of vision for you, where God has told you to do things, and he has spoken things into your life, because it's been a year of change. And there's only two times, two times or two reasons when anybody ever changes. There's only two. When you're forced to or when you have or when you want to. And this year, there was a lot of forced change. But I would bet this was a year unlike any other, that you were forced to change some things, but at the same time, you wanted to change some things. Because in this time of uncertainty and chaos and this more alone time that you had, it gave you time to reflect on what was really important to you and what was really important for your life. Your friends that you could just get together with whenever you wanted to, and there were times that you couldn't, you probably have more appreciation for those friends in your life. Do you not? Your family that maybe you weren't able to celebrate Thanksgiving or Christmas, you, and you haven't been able to spend time with your family, you're probably more appreciative for those family members. Are you not? I know some of you are like rolling your eyes like, hey, I didn't, I didn't get together with family this year, and it was great. But there are things that God is trying to speak to us. And I know some of you are thinking, this guy, where is Pastor Matt? Because this guy does not know what he's talking about. 2020 was an absolute total disaster. This guy is clueless. What world has he been living? He's been worried about trying to beat Pastor Matt in a foot race. Versus, <laughs> But here's what I would say, and that could be very well true. And in certain cases, 2020 has been a disaster. But I I would say this, and I say this with all due respect to your situation, if that was the case. One of the, how would I say this? One of the underestimated secrets in life, I would say, is that most great people that I know, probably all all great people that I know, have learned to thrive in life when things aren't perfect, when maybe things are falling apart around them. Just think of anybody that you respect, any great person you know that you think of, that you really you put that person on a pedestal and say, man, that, that man or woman, she really has done, boy, she's great at this or that. She's, he or she has accomplished so much. I guarantee you that that person was accomplishing those things when other things in their life were less than desirable, when other things in their life could possibly be in, in chaos. Your life, I hate to break this to you, even as a Bible-believing Christian, even as a Bible-believing Christian, your life is never going to be 100% perfect. Never going to happen. And so many times if we're striving, hey, I will, I, I will follow God when everything is just perfect in my life. I will follow God when everything is all figured out. I will follow God when I have all my ducks in the rows, my T's crossed, and my I's dotted. That's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. There are times in life This is what I believe. There's been times in life when you have to take a step back and let life come to you a little bit, but then there are also times in life when you have to grab life by the throat 
and go for it. And go get life with abandon and a passion because you know God is speaking to you and calling you to do it. I, the title of my message this morning is, It Is Time. It is time to move on. It is time to move forward. I'm not talking about in a worldly sense. I'm not saying it's time to move on from this pandemic or from wearing a mask. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm saying for our, I believe for our own individual lives, we are in a season in this world and in God's kingdom where it's time to move and it's time to go out and get whatever God has promised for you. Because I got news for you. I, I got news for you. I don't care how old you are, but your time is running out. And some, there's, there's a few things in life that we all have the same. One of them, we are all going to die. If you're sitting here thinking you're going to, I don't know, have some remedy or sniff some potion that, you know, you're going to live to 150, it ain't, it, it, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Right? We're all going to die at some point. You might as well start now. Amen. I hope to motivate you today to start doing these things that God has placed on your heart. I know, I know, like I've said earlier, I know that during this pandemic in 2020, you've been sitting on your couch and you're tired of watching TV and you're tired of watching the news and you're tired of flipping around and you're tired of watching whatever it is and you're thinking to, my, thinking to yourself, man, I should have done this when I had the chance. Or man, God had opened some doors for me Two months ago, two years ago, 20 years ago, and maybe I didn't take advantage of that. Man, I should have walked through that door. Well, I'm here to tell you, if God told you to do something 20 years ago and you didn't do it, the time is still right to do it. If God's called you to do something, God's called you to do something. Just because you ignore him at the time doesn't mean he's going to change his mind. Right? It's like when my kids were little, they come to me and they ask me, you know, 20 questions, and it's really the same question every single time. Guys, you can ask it a hundred different ways. The answer is still no. But sometimes in life and as Christians, we're so concerned about talking about our faith that we forget we have to act out our faith. And we need to be a people that aren't as concerned about talking about our faith but we need to be more concerned about living our faith. Man, our faith that we have has to be an actionable faith. I know tons of people with faith. Hey, I'm a faith-filled person. I talk about faith all the time. But how many of those times do I talk about my faith? Do I follow up and respond with the appropriate action? I, I could... I could stand up here all day probably and tell you throughout the course of my things I've had faith for, but maybe yet to this day have actually taken a step to walk those things out. What good is it if I have faith but I never do anything about it? Faith, faith in my life, faith in our life, it can't be a noun. It has to be an action verb. That has to describe what I'm doing. Hey, in case you haven't noticed, in 2020, it's probably a great opportunity, is that your faith has to be actionable. Life, life is a full contact sport. If you, haven't, if you haven't come to the conclusion that life is a full contact sport, I, I don't know 
I don't know what life you're living. Because life at times is tough. Life at times is rough. Life at most times requires faith. But it requires an actionable faith to get on the other side of whatever your circumstance is. To get on the other side of whatever your situation is. To get on the other side of whatever God has called you to do. You know, hope, as Pastor Guy said, Pastor Katie had a great quote on hope. And hope, hope is one of the most awesome words in the English language. It really is. Hope is the greatest emotion, in my opinion, it's the greatest emotion that we can ever have. Because if you don't have, think of it this way, if you don't have hope, you don't have nothing. If you don't have hope, it's impossible to have faith. But I believe that hope has to turn into faith, and that faith has to turn into action. But we have to have hope based on biblical promises, biblical truth. Now, hope, it's the greatest emotion in the world, but many of us, we also use hope as a strategy to figure out what to do next or to live our lives. Hope, although the greatest emotion in the world, hope is never, never a strategy to accomplish anything. How many times in your life have you said, man, I hope this stops happening to me. I hope this goes away. I hope one day I can do this. I hope one day I do that. I hope, as you're a kid in here, I hope I get good grades. I hope that, right? Hope is not going to deliver any of those things. Any of those things. It's, you're going to have a part to play in it, right? I've led Jeremiah 29, 11. I can read that verse and say, God has a great plan for my life and a hope and a future. That, that, and don't take this out of context, please, but that really doesn't matter if I don't understand it, believe it, and then step into it and meet God where he's trying to meet me at. Other than that, my hope is useless. As a matter of fact, if I don't turn my faith into some sort of actionable item that I do to, to follow his word, my faith I mean, I guess maybe it'd make me feel better for a while, but it's, it's a, it'd make me feel better based on nothing. Sorry about that. But we have to turn our faith into something that's actionable. And we all have the power to do it. Three things, I have three points today. Three things, let's say, to discover in 2021. Number one, discover who you are. This, I believe, is the, one of the most important, practical things you will ever do, is discover who you are. Because who you are is so specific that it is only relative to you. You are the only one that it matters for. For my life, I, I think about this constantly. I am in a constant pursuit. For my life, I'm in a constant pursuit of three things discovering who I am, defining what that actually means, and developing a game plan that I can walk that out in faith to serve Christ. But discovering who you are is number one. I'm not talking about those other two today. Number one, discovering who you are. As different as we all are, 
I believe we are all on that same quest of discovering who we actually are. And I'll give you an example. We all go through life and we say, man, I'm just not happy. Or I'm just unfulfilled. Things aren't working out. Well, you know why you're not happy? You're not happy because you're, ch- you're actually chasing after things that aren't going to make you happy. You're unfulfilled because you're chasing after things that aren't going to fulfill you. I'll prove that to you. How many times in life have you, have you been chasing after a goal, you reach that goal, and somehow you're unfulfilled? You're fulfilled for a minute. But that's because God has given you more important things that are constant, that keep growing as you grow in Him. Everybody's seen those Jason Bourne movies, right? Great movies. Like, what are the names? I forgot. What? Like, Bourne Identity, right? Jason Bourne. Like, there's, there's five or six movies. They're great. It's a, it's a, they're action movies. These are the type of movies I like. Action movies, you don't really have to, have to pay attention to the plot or who's, who's doing this or who's doing that. It's just, a, it's just a bunch of action. I don't have to think about it. And I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, you know the reason I don't really have to think about watching those movies? Because this entire set of movies, five or six movies, about this Jason Bourne character, and the, all the movies are based on one thing. It's about a guy trying to discover who he is. He was in some government program, and they planted a chip in him. If you haven't seen him, but you're still not going to make sense, but you've seen him, you know what I'm talking about. The entire movie. It's about a guy trying to figure out who he is, and he will go to Africa, to the United States, to Australia, North Pole, South Pole. He travels the globe trying to figure out who he is, discovering who he is. And he'll stop at nothing. I mean, he's killing people. He's killing things. He's doing all crazy stuff. He's got a passion for who he is because in his life, nothing else matters until he knows who he is. Just like us. In many ways and in many, many, many senses, none of this life really matters until, until we know who we really are. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. It does matter. But I'll let's just put it this way. When you find out who you are and the things God has called you to do that only you can do, I'm just telling you right now, things change. Things change. And these are on a practical level. They're not all spiritual. Don't, don't get lost in like, I can say these things because I'm a pastor. What I'm talking about today has nothing about my calling as a pastor at all. Zero. I'm talking about who you are as a person. Me as a pastor, that's way down on a list, right? I'm first a child of God. I'm second a husband. I'm third a dad. So if you want to dis- define me about God's plan for my life, those three things are at the top. Those are the most spiritual things I can do. The most spiritual thing I can do, the thing that I'm most called to do, is to love my wife, is to love my three kids, to raise them as the Bible tells them. This pastor thing, Sorry to tell you, Pastor Guy, but this pastor thing for us, it's, it's, it's down the list. It's down the list. If I can't do those other things I just described, the way God's called me, this pastor thing, it just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I know people all over the world. This isn't pastors. This is just, I shouldn't say all over the world. I really don't know people all over the world. I don't even know, <laughs> I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> No, that was not prophetic, by the way. 
But I know people all over the place that their, t- their identity is in what they do, you know, teacher, doctor, lawyer. That's not it. That's part of your calling, but you have bigger things that God has called you to do. We have to be like Jason Bourne and those Bourne identity, where we will do nothing will stop us. Now, he's out there killing people. I'm not saying we need to be killing people. I will say, I will say, you do need to be killing some things in your life that aren't profitable, that aren't of God. I talk about discovering who you are. You know, one of the best ways to discover who you are is to discover who you are not. That's one of the best ways. In my example about being happy and fulfilled earlier, if you're doing things that don't make you fulfilled, don't make you happy, don't make you at peace, I'd probably think about those things and pray about the thing. Are, are, is that really what God's called me to do? I heard it say this way one, maybe a month ago. I don't know who said this, but the analogy I think works because you might be thinking, man, that is too big of a deal. I can't tackle all that right now. I can't figure out who I am. But I heard it said this way one time, that sooner or later, you'll have to kill the Goliath in your life. Sooner or later, if you want to be all that God's called you to be, sooner or later, you're not only going to have to face Goliath, but you're going to have to kill Goliath. So if you would, if you would agree with me on that, my next question would be your statement, why don't you do it now? Let's take steps to do it now. What are we waiting for? Let's do it now. You know, 2020, don't fall in the trap of 2020 was just a wasted year. I know I keep going back to this, but there are things that God has called us to do in 2020. I don't know what those things for your life, but I guarantee you there's things that God has put on your heart, on your mind, thoughts that maybe you haven't had in the past. But don't don't get wrapped up in all the emotions of 2020 that run the gamut, right? Ups and downs, highs and lows. And we are, we, we have emotions and we have to live as people. But here's, here's what I would say to you today. It's great to have emotion and we have to have emotion and feel emotion and show emotion, but you cannot, listen carefully, you cannot live emotional. Does that make sense? You cannot live emotional. And we have to be careful about what we remember about 2020. Some of the emotions I just wrote down, I think people have dealt with. Paralyzed by fear. Anxious about tomorrow. Numb from a loss, maybe of a family member. Maybe they're weighted down by guilt. Caught in a slump. Overwhelmed by retreat. Trapped in a dead-end job. Stuck in a circumstance that they don't think they can get out of. Maybe you're hopeless about your future. Those were active emotions that most of us had at some level in 2020. But be careful what you remember about 2020. Because I believe that God has probably done some things in 2020 that you can remember and stand on and move into the future. I look at my own, my own family. Like, there are things that I just read that, that our family has gone through or whatever during 2020. But here's what I will remember about 2020. I'll remember the extended, the, the, the extended family time that we had as a family. I mean, you, you know how many board games my family and I have played in the last eight months? I've played enough board games to, to last me a lifetime. 
You, you know how many puzzles? Puzzles. Yeah, Dan, puzzles. That we've done as a family? I mean, we've, had, we've, had, we've always had family dinners, but we had family dinners every, every night at 6.30. And here was a great idea that I think my wife had, that we moved it from, you know, you eat uh, dinner in your family room. We moved it to the dining room. We, we eat in the kitchen. Where did we move it? The nice room? We moved it to the nice dining room, right? The room that you don't ever use, like we've lived in the house for, I don't know, 18 years, hardly ever used it. Well, one night my wife had an idea, hey, why don't we eat in the dining room? So like for the past, I don't know however long, eight, nine months, we've had family dinners in the dining room. And there was something about that, you know, during, you know, regular times, you eat in the kitchen and you're doing something and you're off to another thing. I mean, there were, there were many nights we'd say eat at 6.30. We'd still be sitting there at 8.30, two hours. Hey, my kids, my, you know, my kids are 21, 19, and 17. They're not like two, four, and six. Those are memorable moments, right? And I'm guessing I'm guessing that when my kids have families and kids, you know what they're probably going to do for family time? Puzzles, board games, right? These are things that will last a lifetime. I got to spend more time with my wife than I normally do. Can you imagine what a year, how awesome her year's been being able to spend more time with me? I mean, just for that. Be careful what we remember. <laughs> Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. Verse 14. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It is time. It is time to move forward. God has awesome things about our futures. God is a God of fresh starts. God is a God of rebirths. God is a God of realignment. God is a God of rebranding. We're able to rebrand ourselves. God is a God of fresh starts. But they have to be. We're talking about real stuff today. We're talking about moving forward in our life. That's a great New Year's resolution to have. How am I going to move forward? Don't, don't waste your... Don't waste your New Year's resolution on, you know, reading another, you know, reading more books. Nothing like there's, there's nothing wrong with reading, but don't waste your New Year's resolution on, I want to lose a few pounds. You're not going to be able to keep up with that anyway. Right? I mean, come on, don't, I mean, half the church probably say, I want to lose a few pounds. Well, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. <laughs> I don't I only say that because I try to, I think about that all the time. You know what I do? I just buy bigger pants. It works, <laughs> all right? We have to have a life of a real and actionable faith. And sometimes as Christians, we get so caught up on, man, my faith is so high or my faith is so low. We, we, we misconstrue that what faith is. If, I, if I'm living a faith-filled life, that does not mean that everything works out. That does not mean that everything I touch turns to gold. That does not mean that I'm living a life of perfection. You know what a life of faith really looks like? A life of faith really looks like this. I rise and I fall. I suffer and I recover. I achieve and I fail. 
I have ups and I have downs. That's what a life of faith looks like. And then I endure all the way through the end because I know my God has a plan and it is good. It's a constant transformative experience, right? Christianity, Christianity is a growing religion, if you will. Christianity is about growth. Everybody nowadays wants to grow as people, grow as Christianity. I'm telling you what, this is growth. This is growth. If you read this Bible every day, if you obey what's in here, if you study and meditate on this word, it is impossible, impossible not to grow. Number two, discovering obedience and trust. Discovering obedience and trust. I heard this the other day about Mother Teresa. When Mother Teresa would, would someone would come up to her and say, Mother Teresa, will you pray for clarity for me? For me, Because clarity is a great thing, right? I try to live my life where I'm clear about my future. I know what God's called me to do. And, you know, certain things, I won't move forward until I have clarity on what God has said to me. So this kind of hit me. When someone would ask Mother Teresa to pray for clarity, here's what she would say. She would say, I will not pray clarity for you. Clarity is the crutch of the Christian. But I will pray trust for you, that your trust in him will increase. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? It'll hit you like a ton of bricks, but it's powerful. And it makes me think about, well, many Bible stories, because many of these biblical characters and these real-life events that we read, it's all about having an active faith. And it brings me to Moses in parting the Red Sea. Very popular story, one that we learn usually in younger grade school or whatever. It's an awesome story that's been told billions of times probably. Where Moses is on the way to the promised land, he's in the desert, and he's, it's probably, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us specifically, but it's probably about 70 degrees there's not a cloud in the sky. The sun's on his face. The wind's at his back. He's got all his friends, family members with him. He's got his posse. He's got his prayer group with him. He's probably got his pastor. I mean, I wouldn't have brought Pastor Matt, but he's probably got his pastor. He's probably got his pastor with him. And then, you know what? You know when you, you're going down the, the, the street uh, and then the, you see the red light in front of you? But you know, so you're about to step on the brakes, but you don't have to because it turns green, so you just keep going. And everybody know that? That's a great feeling, right? No, I always like that feeling. Nobody else does, apparently. But that's how Moses was. He's just out on a summer day, 70 degrees. He's, and then about as, soon as he see, about as soon as he sees the Red Sea, then he's not going to be able to cross it. It opens up and it splits, and he walks right through it, right? No, that's not the story. That's not what happened. See, most of you are like, yeah, that, that is really what happened. Because that's the story we tell. That's the story that we're taught. That Moses, this, this guy in biblical times, he just walked up, rolled up on this Red Sea with a bunch of buddies, and just the, the sea just parted. No, no, no. There was an act of faith. There had to be obedience involved. This wasn't, this wasn't just a, day, a walk in the park. Right? What was really happening is he was escaping. He was fleeing from the largest army in the world that was trying to kill him, 
right? He was basically in a dead end. He had a mountain range on the left, a mountain range on the right, the army behind him, and water in front of him. He basically had two options. The only options were he was going to get captured and killed by the army, or he was going to take his people into the Red Sea and drown. Both, both of them were the wrong answer. Both of them led to, to certain death. That's what that story started with. Many times in life, we feel like that, right? We feel like we have no good options. I'm stuck on the left. I'm stuck on the right. I'm stuck, people chasing me behind me, and there's a, I can't go in front of me. And then I come to church, and this, this goofball guy is talking about the future and God's preferred future for my life. And you're thinking, I see my life. I'm surrounded. I'm out of options. I have no hope. As a, as a Bible-believing, faith-filled Christian, that situation sometimes is normal because that means God is working in the background. If you, go, if you go back a couple chapters, the Bible specifically states that those people that were trapped, Moses and his friends that were trapped, they were guided during the day by a cloud and by night by a pillar of, by a pillar of fire. They were guided by God. They were following God. They were following God into a trap, so it would seem, right? Exodus 10. I'm sorry, Exodus 14, 10. I'm going to back up a little bit. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dwelt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is it not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Now, at this point, everybody with Moses, they're upset. They're saying, we don't, now they're saying, we don't even want to be here anyway. We don't care about the promised land. We just want to go back to our past where maybe we were comfortable. It wasn't perfect, but at least we didn't have to die in the wilderness. We should have just stayed back there doing what we're doing. I don't care about what the future holds. And we all get in situations like this. And here's what happens when we get in situations like this. We have three, we have three options or three choices. We surrender, we fight, or we trust God. Most of us, myself included, we surrender. We say, it's too hard. I'll go back to doing whatever. I'll go back to this. I'll go back to that. Because at least it was normal. I got used to it. Most of us surrender. A few of us fight. That sounds great. And it's better than surrendering. And we, as guys, we like to do it because it makes us sound manly. But it's still not the answer. The answer is trust. And here's what Moses says. Moses is a great leader, remember. And Moses, in verse 13, says, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which we will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Sounds good, right? And in context, it is. Moses is being a great leader. And he's saying what most great leaders should say. He's saying, don't be afraid. Stand still. 
Stand firm. Your God will fight for you. Great advice at times. Because like I said earlier, there are times in life to just stand firm and see what happens. There are other times you have to go get life. And you have to be so passionate about God's calling for your life that you have to go get it. I believe this is a season where those, it's a time for that. This is a great example of that. Because after all that, after what Moses says, verse 15, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? He's basically saying, why do you keep asking me? Why do you keep searching for answers? Why do you keep wanting to be, everything to be clear and have clarity? Why do you cry to me? And he says, tell the children of Israel to go forward. God is telling the people, move. It's time to move. Now, if I go on, Moses did have a part to play. He had to raise his hand. That's when the seas parted. There is a part to play. But many times, we continue to cry out to God, cry out to God, and cry out to God. And he is actually saying, move. We have to have obedience and trust. Number three, very quickly, discover and activate your faith. We have to have a faith that's actionable. That's what matters. That's what works. I'm telling you, that's what the world is, is crying out for, is to see a people whose faith is in action and whose faith glorifies God. God has great plans for our life, but we have to turn that faith into action. Luke 6, 46 says this, but why do you call me Lord, Lord? This is a great question. And we do this all the time as faith-filled, Bible-believing Christians who pray and seek God for direction. Great question here in Luke. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? And how many times do we do that? We ask, things, we ask God of things, he responds, and then we don't take action. That's for my, my life as well. Sounds foolish, right? Yet we do it day in and day out sometimes. God's covenant has always been a covenant of prosperity, abundance. If you go to Genesis, God, very, very beginning of the Bible, God creates everything and he gives dominion to Adam over everything. And then we get to this, this because this was God's plan. God's plan was a bountiful plan, a plentiful plan for everything. And in Genesis 3, verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Now, I'm not the smartest guy here, but I do know that no matter what situation I am in my life, I should never be in a situation like Adam was where he hid himself from the presence of the Lord. I don't care how low your faith ever gets. Hiding yourself from the Lord is never a recipe for success. 
Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to Adam, where are you? Never something you want to have God ask of you. We never want to be in a situation where God is on his throne trying to do something in us and through us, and he has to say, Mike, where are you? And in those verses, it goes on to say, because Adam was hiding because he was afraid, he was naked. And then God says, who told you you were naked anyway? Who told you to hide anyway? Who told you to do whatever? Because here's the mistake Adam made. He was letting someone else, Eve in this case, he was letting someone else define his life for him. He was letting someone else's voice be bigger over his life than God's. That's, that's, we should never be in that spot. We have lots of distractions around us. We have lots of good people around us. But the voice of God should always carry the most weight all the time. Because as, as this song says, he is a good, good father. He's incapable of anything else other than good and having a good plan for our lives.